This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode two of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Exclusive coverage of World of Dressage. We would like to thank our sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. They can be found at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Esberg, Denmark, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, Heather, we made it to the second episode of the Dressage Radio Show. Welcome back. Thanks, and welcome to you, too. Well, this this week we've got an interesting show. Tell us what uh, you've been doing uh, that's uh, this past week, and because you're uh, based in, in on the west coast of, of Denmark, aren't you? Yep, on the west coast, about a 15-minute walk to the North Sea, which is a beautiful beach. Um, it's a pretty northern latitude, Denmark. It's just uh, borders Germany, and the northern um, border of Germany is Denmark. It sort of sticks up as a peninsula there, and um, I'm on the main part of Denmark, and there are little islands also copenhagen's way over on the east side but the whole country is pretty far north and um we're dealing with a beautiful season of daylight and summer in uh, beautiful scandinavia here where the sun comes up at four and goes sort of goes down out 11 o'clock at night and we're not even to the longest day of the year yet so it's a quite a beautiful place to be in the summertime um, as opposed to the winter when you know, you, the, the length of day you get in the summer is equal to the length of darkness you get in the winter. So that can be a, a little challenging to to put up with sometimes the, the darkness. So what's the what, a, what's the riding? There's it pretty flat around there, Heather. It is unfortunately the highest point in Denmark. It's about 150 meters, and I don't know how many feet it is, but it's it's not so high. So it's not very. Um, much vertical relief in this country but we are coastal so we have a lot of beauty in other ways here it's just not a not a lot of um, hills to train up and down but we have to come up with ways to strengthen our horses in other ways <laughs> you go get you have to be imaginative well very different countryside to that what we have here in the bluegrass in in lexington yeah. we're going to hear more about your riding and paragon um later in the show but for today our, pl- our, our planned show for today uh, we have Debbie McDonald talking about retirement of, uh, from her international competition and uh, life looks like for her now um, since uh, she retired Brentina, of course, at the World Cup finals in Vegas earlier this year. I caught her out there, so we'll be uh, listening to that interview. Um, and we're also going to be introducing a younger rider, not a young rider, but a younger rider to get a perspective of, of the youth in dressage from Reese Coughler-Stanfield, who she'll, who'll be a regular com- com- contributor to the show. Reese is based here in Lexington, Kentucky, so she's going to come on the show. And, uh, so what, uh, what's uh, uh, keeping her busy these days in terms of horses and, and uh, training programs? And So we look forward to, uh, to meeting Reese a little bit later on. It'll be fun to hear from her. Yes, it will. She's a really dynamic young girl. So she's also involved with the World Equestrian Games here, uh, being held here, of course, next year. So uh, she's a great girl, and uh, we really look forward to her being part of the show. 
And we'd like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They can be found at kppusa.com. Uh, they also sponsor the event. So we are very grateful that uh, Kentucky Performance Products are joining us on the Dressage Radio Show. Yeah, really big thanks to them. And also remind you that official social community of the Horse Radio Network is Equestrian Life, and their website is www.equestrianlife.com. Be sure to check that out. It's the Facebook of the equestrian world. Well, the news of the week this week, we've got quite a few items this week, Heather. Um, first of the big news out of Netherlands was Anki van Grunsman's Grand Prix partner painted black who was injured and is out of running for at least two months. The licensed KWP stallion injured himself at the hip during his daily breeding duty. Due to this injury, painted black will not be available as a sire and has been bought for a while. It's expected that he'll be back in training within one or two months. Yeah, you know, those uh, staff of double duty is uh, it's a tough job for, for any of them and, you know, especially the the whole act of um, collecting those stallions is quite dangerous, and I've heard of any of them getting injured on, on duty. And really sorry to hear that this one also uh, had an injury. But um, we're all just hoping that he comes back soon, and he can definitely get back to both of his jobs. Uh, I'm sure Anki is anxious for him to be back under saddle, and all the owners around the world are looking forward to him also back on duty as a sire. Well, that's true too. We also have some other good news um, out of out of Holland. You know, the Dutch rider Adeline Cornelinson's 13-year-old Dutch warmblood gelding Parseval, who suffered an injury at the start of the World Cup dressage finals in Vegas, that injury that he suffered turned out to be less severe than first feared, and none of the tendons are injured, but the ligament is slightly strained. So that's good news, Heather. Um, you know, we look forward to that uh, um, partnership being back on the circuit very soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree that annular ligament is, um, you know, sort of a common thing for horses to strain, and, and most of them come back with really full power and no problem. And Adeline definitely deserves another chance with this horse, and the rest of the world deserves another chance to see the pair together. They're just fantastic, just stunning, and we all want them to come back which I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will, and, and with their sights very firmly set either on the European Championships later this year um, or the World Equestrian Games next year, I think they'll be very serious contenders, don't you, Heather? Yes, I, I absolutely, and just can't wait to see them back out there. And, of course, Olympian Isabel Worth, who was second at the World Cup uh, Dressage uh, Finals in Vegas, she, after a great start this season in the outdoor circuit, she won the uh, second leg of the 2009 World Dressage Masters that was staged at the former Olympic Stadium in Munich uh, just the past week. And the, that competition there produced some great sport with winners representing the leading dressage nations of uh, Germany and the Netherlands. And Sander Marinjensen took top honours in the Grand Prix <laughs> that's a tough name. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those tough names, um, that you get out of Europe. Uh, and you're used to yeah. it, though, Heather, aren't you? Well, that. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a tough one. That is a, a really nice rider by the Sander and his big chestnut horse. A really elegant, elegant pair. Um, really glad to see him also have done so well there in the Masters and that really thick competition. And uh, Sander and that horse also uh, a pair that might start to become 
um, a lot more in the news and um, hopefully, you know, be seen um, in, you know, in more great winning honor is like that. He, he, he deserves it. The horse is fantastic. It's a really nice uh, combination, Sander and his horse. Well, that, that's great. There are so many prospects that are that are coming up like this. Bobby, that's a name that's not familiar to our listeners over here in the States. But, uh, you know, we've yeah, got... Hopefully it will be soon. You know, <laughs> he's good enough and he's he's just a, a really interesting rider. And like I said, the pair that he and his horse click so well together, I think that he will start to get more one that you see his name and hopefully um, also in person more. Yep. Good. Well, hopefully by that time I'll be better at pronouncing his last name. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it. Aaron Easton. I always just call him Sander, and I know people knew who I'm talking about. <laughs> well, we have some other, more news from Europe. Um, Sissy Max Toyer, who's a farmer from Austria, she's now going to be the new owner of Stuttvorwerk in Kappel, Germany. Now, that's a big stud uh, that uh, certainly came to the fore in, in, in the States when uh, Lisa Wilcox, the American rider, was based there for a while and produced such a uh, Fantastic, uh, horse, you know, Grand Prix horses such as Rodiamant and Revelant, and was very successful while she was based there. But the new owner um, is someone who's gained a reputation through her success in the, her achievements, not only as a sport horse breeder but as an international breed judge. And according to the Studs website, a long-term utilization concept in harmony with the orientation of Gestutbeck is presently on the drawing board. And Heather, that's big news. That's a very prominent stud in Europe, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I'm really glad to see it handed over to such capable hands. Sissy has um, really concentrated her life uh, recently in the breeding world, and she does quite a bit of herself. And she is an international breed judge and very well respected and very successful at what she produces. And her daughter is... Um, Vic Max Tour, and she is a really successful younger rider out on the international Grand Prix scene, and horses that have come from Sissy's program. And um, she does a fantastic job. I think I'm really looking forward to see what she does with this place in Germany. And um, I think it's uh, it's all good. good. Good to see it, you know, handed off into um, another direction, whichever it's whatever it's going to be. Um, with Sissy, I think it'll be great. She's got some experience from she from her own Olympic uh, experience as a rider from Moscow or from the uh, Soviet Union in 1980, and she was in the Olympics in '84 in LA, and she was in Barcelona Olympics. She's been around top top riding and competition top horses her whole life, and now she's doing such a great job with the breeding. I think that you could barely have found a better owner stud in Germany. Well, that's that's very exciting, and we you know we will stay tuned to to see what um, progeny of there now in her new hands. Um, but we have some sad news uh, from Denmark, uh, Heather, this week. The Danish Trakana bred elite stallion Blue Horse Hertug. He died um, just the other day on May twenty first at his home. Uh, in there in um, Denmark, uh, in your neighborhood, that 13 year old Trakana stallion apparently suddenly just dropped the floor horse walker and died almost instantly. And we should point out that Hertog had really a very strong breeding line. He was by Schwadrona out of uh, Donnerwind. Um, it, he, he will be sadly missed, Heather. That is um, definitely 
through. The, the sire Hertug was doing so well. His offspring, such good rideability, beautiful horses, really athletic, um, elastic um, offspring that he was making. And it's such a shock. I, I read that also uh, um, myself, and I actually haven't heard more detail about what happened to him and, and um, what was the cause of his death. But I do want to get to the bottom of that and find out what um what happened? It's a, a very sad thing for him to not be with us anymore. Well, on a lighter note, we have some very good news uh, for, out of Australia. The um, Australian team rider Heath Ryan, you know, he's been a prominent Grand Prix dressage rider. And of course, he was an eventer before that. Um, he um, had a, an accident or an injury rather. Uh, uh, he fell ill at a competition in New South Wales um, last week, but he's expected to make a full recovery. Doctors at the Hunter Hospital there in New South Wales now feel that his condition was caused by a thrombosis blood clot that was traveling from his leg to his brain and, and that this can be treated. And apparently Keith is in fine form. He's trying to run the world from his hospital bed and expected to make a full recovery. But I know they, they did suspect a stroke, um, when it, when it uh, first happened and uh, he was rushed to hospital from the competition. But, uh, you know, that, that really was a shock to the eventing and dressage world because uh, the, the Ryans are so well known. Of course, his brother, Matt Ryan, was the Barcelona Olympic uh, individual medalist in eventing. It's a, a very prominent family in uh, New South Wales, Australia. So we wish Heath the very best of luck. Absolutely. And Heather, we are going to start with your rising star this week and, and uh, in his, his weekly diary. So uh, tell us all about Paragon. Well, I think for the first little entry here in Paragon's diary, I just have to start from the very beginning and sort of give you a, a background on him. Um, he's a very special horse in my life. Um, and he came to be mine through a matter of, uh, I was actually training his mother and thought she was really easy to work with, really sweet, really straightforward, and thought she might be a good mother or a good mare to breed Don Schufro, who's a Danish stallion here in Denmark. And um, sure enough, she had a, a um, paragon, and the night that she had him, um, I was ha happened to be there on full watch that night, and he was born, and um, he's so big. And she was huge, and we figured it was going to be a big bait. Sure enough, he was, and you know, it gave him enough time to try to stand up on his own legs so he could get some of that really crucial colostrum and milk from from his mother. And he just couldn't do it; he just got exhausted. And after about three hours, I thought, well, I better help him stand up. So, um, you know, that was a, the the first thing that bonded me quite tightly to him is is that happened. Um, and, and from that day on, he's just sort of been mine. And, and that's about the day that I decided to buy him from the place, the mare that bred her. So, um, and he's uh, he's just had a character that's always been almost more interested in people than he ever was in his own mother. You could take him far away from her and he never cared. And um, he would just much rather be tended to by humans than, than other horses. And that was a very endearing thing about him. And 
um, you know, he could really strut his stuff and, and really knock your socks off until he, up until the, when he was about three months old, and, and that's about the last I saw of it until he turned about three and a half years old, and he just really took a turn for um, the worse, you know. He was one of those ugly ducklings where it was just fine if no one wanted to go see him <laughs> when he was three months and up to about three years. He just grew and grew and grew, and, you know, his his parts were all over the place and just was not the kind of horse that you would that you, you wouldn't go out to the pasture and have picked him out you know he just could barely move out of his own way all of his other kind of um, classmates that were the same age as him were all just looking fantastic and then you know apparently he was definitely the ugly duckling but um, you know, sure enough when he turned about three and a half and in his you know his front end sort of caught up with his back end then started seeing the nice horse in him again so <laughs> that was a big relief and um he's he's just been a, a friend though from the very beginning and and very kind very uh, straightforward and on and you know starting him under saddle has been one of the easiest horses for me to have done that with didn't even have really any assistance at all i just did a little groundwork with him and he accepted everything so easily i just stuck my foot in the stirrup and put my leg over his back and off we went and it was really about that easy <laughs> now how so, big is he now heather is well at that point yeah right now he is um i have to convert it i'm so used to centimeters now living in europe he's 180 centimeters and i think that that is around 17.3 he's a big boy isn't he he is but that's fine for me because i am six feet tall and you know my legs go all the way to the floor, so I need a, a tall horse, and it just it worked out great. <laughs> he turned out that big. You know, at that three years old when I started riding him, he was only sixteen two. So from three until um, about now he's six. Um, he grew what is that five inches? Wow. So that's pretty impressive. I didn't know that they did that much growing at that point, and some of it has to do also with the way he carries himself now he's developed a lot of musculature with his shoulder blades and around his rib cage that really help him lift his wither so i think he stands taller just because of how his training has developed him so um but he is uh, to stand by him is impressive i mean at my height i cannot see over his withers and that doesn't happen to me very often <laughs> <laughs> but i like it i like it a lot i like it a lot and he, he's not to you know he doesn't ride like a big horse he rides quite um manageable and he's very naturally balanced and he really loves to work in fact you know he started realizing sort of what he was capable of which didn't happen until maybe he was five from three to five he just kind of moved around and you wouldn't have thought a whole lot but when he turned about five five and a half then he really started kind of uncovering some layers of him that he and I both thought were pretty interesting and um they they definitely are they're developing more and more some of the the things he's discovered and it's just a matter of him getting in a better balance so he took some more weight off of his shoulders and then the front legs just started going out in front of him and he thought wow that's pretty fun and then he kind of felt how his hind legs were well that's kind of fun too and and he's just been um great at experimenting and wanting to find out more about you and um you know, we're, we're sort of at the end of his discovering, wow, look what I can do. And now we're starting to put it the real repeatable, a lot more on the aids and kind of realness to it now. So it's not just a, you know, that, that initial part of 
finding out what's possible, but now how, you know, how real can we make it? So it, it's, it's, a, that's sort of where we are now in his training is it's, everything's becoming more solid and real and it's not just kind of a surprise he's capable of. Well, that's very exciting, Heather, you know, to have a young horse with so much potential and promise and one that you've known, you know, as you say, since he was literally foaled and it, it, it does bond you in a way that, you know, this, it's very special. You have to go there yourself. You have to experience to truly appreciate how that, that bond and that partnership forms when you've known a horse or a dog, actually, as long as that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It really makes a big difference, and in this way also, when he, at this age, I can have a lot better idea of what might be behind his thinking, because I've known him every day of his life, and I know how he's dealt with everything that he's come up against. Oh, so, yeah, it just gives me a lot of insight that you could barely express in words to somebody else, so it's a very, it's a gift, you know, to have that past with him, and... Uh, you know, when I suggested maybe that mare get bred to Don Shufro, thinking, let's make an Olympic horse. But he's just, <laughs> you know, I'm just a little lucky that it's turned out um, that he has uh, got the potential, I think, to get that far. If all stays healthy and sound and everything goes in the right direction, maybe, you know, possible it could be. Well, definitely a key. Uh, you know, a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to following him over the uh, upcoming weeks here, Heather. Thank you so much for that. And, and we should out that there are pictures and videos of Paragon on your website. Yes, there are. My website is heatherblitz.info, and if you go to Paragon's page on my website, then there's a little video camera icon, and you can click on that and access, I don't know, four or five different videos of Paragon from when he was, uh, I think, four and a half up until now, and I'm about to put there a new video because he was just amazing today. He's just learned how to put some impulsion in his little tiny half steps that um, were, were uh, they had me in awe. I, I don't know how he put it together, but he did, and I've got to put it on video, so hopefully there'll be a new one soon. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Well, we'll look out for that too, Heather. Well, that's it for Paragon's Diary. Uh, this week, we'll uh, follow Paragon again next week, and uh, you can send comments to Heather uh, to her website or or here at heather at horseradionetwork.com if you have any questions about Paragon. And I'm sure our listeners will start to tune in, Heather, now and uh, follow him with real interest. So um, we look forward to that. But we're going to move on now to our first guest of the show um, this week, and that is Debbie McDonald, who hardly needs any introduction from me, Heather. Debbie is, what, in her mid-50s. She's been a, a bronze medalist at the uh, Athens Olympics. She's a team silver medalist from the World Equestrian Games in Jerez de la Frontera in 2002 and from ARC in 2006, member of the bronze medal team. And she was also in the Pan Ams uh, a few years ago as a, an individual team gold medalist. So, uh, And, you of know, course, in Hong Kong this uh, last uh, past Olympics also. That, that's right. And that was, of course, the last international competition for the Mayor Brentina. And that has been an amazing one and one that... Uh, came to an end after the Olympics and she was retired. The mayor was at the uh, World Cup final in Las Vegas a few weeks ago now. And I was over there to talk to me who uh, gave the mayor and, and the child gave her an amazing send off there. It was a very, very emotional weekend for, for Debbie. Um, and I should point out that that interview was done outside the Thomas and Mack center. So we were in the flight path, and there were um, there's there's a bit of uh, 
aircraft noise going on, but uh, we look forward to, to hearing that interview with Debbie McDonald. Well, Debbie, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're starting off with something that nobody's ever done before. What, what do you think for this? Well, I'm excited about it. I think it, it might you know, open up some new doors and start some new people getting interested in the sport. I think it sounds like a great idea. I think what we want to do really is to bring dressage to a wider audience, don't you think? Oh, definitely. We need that for sure in our sport. I mean, there's no doubt. We need to get more people into this. And the great thing about podcasting, of course, is you can listen to it anywhere and, and there's no time schedule. You don't have to tune in at a certain time. And I think this might appeal to the riders and the grooms and the owners. Yeah, I think so, because if they know it's on, you know, they'll make sure that they put it onto their their iPhone or their iTunes or whatever. And like you said, when you're traveling, going somewhere, you can, in an airplane, you can listen to it and if they don't have time to get to a couple of them, then they have two in a row, you know, right. so it sounds, like it sounds like a good thing to me. That's right. So where do you think we should start with this? Any, any ideas? Where, where, where should we start with it? Where we sit? can't go any further without mentioning Brentino. Uh, you know, here we are in Vegas, the World Cup finals, and you've just retired the mayor. And so you're looking to a new life. The mayor has got a new life in store for her. That's very true. Um, my new life, I'm not quite sure about, but I know that it is going to involve a lot more coaching for sure. Um, I really want to see us help Adrian Lyle, my assistant, go as far as she can. I think she's definitely got what it takes. Um, she was the test rider here in Vegas, which um, I think that really proved. She's only done three Grand Prix, and she went out there and didn't even, like, bat an eye. And I would have been throwing up, I think, if that had been me. <laughs> and so that proved to me that she definitely has what it takes to, to do that. And then um, trying to coach just a lot of young riders, developing combinations, um, anything like that for me is it sounds fun and exciting. I'd like to do that. And How did you find Adrian? She came to me uh, about four years ago for some lessons, and when she called me, she said that she was a kid from Whidbey Island, and I thought, well, oh, God, sure, I'll teach you, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, it's probably going to come out, and it's going to have, you know, long hair, long whiskers, you know, <laughs> you know, not cleaned up, and this kid comes out and uh, brings that horse out of the trailer, and they were polished, and and looked like, you know, they really had some some good backing. And so I thought, well, I don't know. Then I then she got on and started to ride, and I went, oh, my God, this kid has such an amazing feel, and she doesn't even know it. And she had had this, she'd done some, she'd done young riders for her region. Okay. And um, she won that award also that um, I think it's Michael Pullen and um, his oh, wife yes. took people yeah. over to Europe. and. Mm -hmm. And um, she actually won that, so she was able to go over and kind of always wanted to be what she's do what she's doing right now. And anyway, she brought this horse in that was like third level. She said when she bought it, she bought it off of video in Europe. I mean, nobody even does this, and she did. And I'll be damned if that horse didn't turn out to be really a super horse, a really super horse. And um, she we she stayed with me for the summer and we ended up getting some like pee off passage and one tempies on the horse and um 
sold them into Sue Blink's barn for an amateur, and they just she still has them in her barn. They just love them. That's great. Yeah. So she's based with you in California, right? Well, she lives in Idaho as well. It ended up being a great deal. She has... Um, it was a funny situation because her family apparently had been coming up to Sun Valley for several years doing skiing, and so they had a small condominium up there. And so when we offered her the job, then she had a place to stay immediately she had her own house which was great and then we stay there until january and then we come back down to epona farms linda fowler's been very generous and and uh offering her facility for years to us and and we kind of base out of there in the winter so it's been a, a great situation and they give us housing on epona so we've got it we've got it made both places well, that's wonderful. Well, hopefully now you'll have a bit of time to spend with us on the Dressage Radio Show. And I think there's a lot of things that we can do with this. Oh, I do too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we can get a lot of uh, a lot of input, get people on that, that want to address certain things. And Well, you know what's going on in the West Coast too, which is great. I'm on the East Coast, and you can keep an eye on what's happening over there and, and, and identify riders of interest and horses of interest, and we can profile those, of course, and also cover the competitions. and. Of course, we're in a pre-WEG year, so uh, so much is focused on the West Coast with you know some of our best riders out there. Yes, that's very true. Um, it will be very interesting to see what we have come up um, for next year, and it is going to be a very important year. There's no doubt. Well, let's just talk quickly about the horses that we've got that are, that are seriously going to be contenders for WEG selection. Um, you know. It's a given, Ravel. I think everybody should knock on wood at this moment to make sure that combination stays healthy and sound. And um, that will be our definite veteran and, and strong one on the team. And then I think, you know, you've got other things coming up. Um, you've got, uh, I'm hoping Adrian can be a contender coming in. Um, I know there's a lot of other horses. There's um, horses that have done well. I think back east, like, I think even Michael Barrison, I think, has gotten some decent scores this year. I think um, uh, uh, Jane Hennigan, mm -hmm. yeah. and um, you've got Catherine Haddad in Europe. Of course, yeah. And apparently she's been doing quite well. Yeah. And I know there's many others I'm not even thinking about at the moment, but um, it'll be a very, very interesting um year coming up and of course we don't have Klaus Belkenhall involved with the team anymore um, how do you think that looks for team selectors what how do you see that selection process happening it, it, it's going to be very different dynamics now well I'm not so sure that that will change a lot even if we were to not have a coach at all I think the process will still remain the same that you know you'll get the top 12 horses and then they'll compete head-to-head um, and then that will determine the team that we, we take. And I don't think that that will change, I think, for many reasons. And people like to see it all head-to-head -head because, as we know, scores vary in different areas. Sure. The CDIs, um, it's not really fair to judge one side or the other because you've got different judges. It's not even like it's the same panel at every show. And judges' scores vary. And so head-to-head -head competition is very, very I mean, it, it has to happen. Looking forward to WEG next year, um, Debbie, the selection process is going to be the same, as you say, even though we don't have Klaus and we don't have a coach. 
Will there be any advantages, disadvantages of being East Coast, West Coast riders? Do you see anything different there? No, I really don't. I know that the East Coast right now definitely has it better than the West Coast does as far as the shows and um, the CDIs. Uh, I think we're really in a very tough situation right now on the West Coast. We're, we're losing a couple of CDIs with the economy the way it is. Some of the people just don't feel that they can put on a CDI and make any money. I certainly understand that. I mean, you know, horse show managers do this to make a little money as well, and some of them barely break even if they don't lose money. So I don't think we can expect them to keep doing that. And um, what the solution is, I don't know, but I'm, I'm fearful if things don't change that everybody on the West Coast is going to end up on the East Coast to qualify. Well, good. I think that you know gives our listeners some perspective of what's what's to come. And in as we move forward with the Dressage Radio Show, we'll bring them all kinds of different uh, you know perspectives of the sport and what's happening in, in in all areas because there's so much to cover. Absolutely, I think it's going to be a lot of fun working with you, and um, I look forward to doing that. Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. Um, and we will we will be back on the air again shortly, and when. Uh, We'll, we'll talk to you again as the as the year goes on, and as you know, we know we're going to get the, we're going to get a lot of different perspectives. As I said, with the dressage radio show, we're going to cover everything we possibly can to to, to deliver this to sport to a wider audience. And uh, I think that's the beauty of modern technology and podcasting. Absolutely, I'm I'm very excited about this. Well, Chris and Heather, we are very excited to introduce our newest sponsor to the dressage radio show. And that is our friends at Kentucky Performance Products. Not every horse needs a supplement, and selecting the right supplement for your dressage horse can be a science. Kentucky Performance Products simplifies that search. You can trust Kentucky Performance Products to give you the most value for your money. And they offer supplements designed to target specific problems made with the highest quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation. Each product is backed by sound research and a money-back satisfaction guarantee. This week, I'd like to highlight Endure Extra. Endure Extra is a high-fat, low-carb energy source recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen. It maintains optimal energy levels in your hard-working dressage horses and it can increase weight gain in your poor doers. More than just a fat supplement, Endure Extra also provides other benefits, such as much-needed vitamin E and gut conditioners. Vitamin E is readily absorbed, it protects muscles, and increases immunity levels. Endure Extra's gut conditioners stimulate the appetite and maintain a healthy digestive tract. The cool calories produced by Endure Extra's proprietary blend of fats keeps horses calm and focused as they work. Best of all, you can feed as little as 8 ounces per day. Learn all about Endure Extra and all of the products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. So um, that was great to hear the interview with Debbie, and we definitely wish her loads of success with her new direction in her life. And uh, next we're going to hear from the... National rider Reese Koffler Stanfield from Lexington, Kentucky, who will be a regular contributor 
show and we want to introduce her and um, hear from her next. So I think Reese, we have you on the phone. We'd like to welcome you to the show and just have you give us a, a little bit of um, what you do and what horses you're riding, a little bit about your new farm and whatever else you want to contribute. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Heather and Chris. I'm really excited to be here. And um, we have had a really exciting year this year in Florida, and we just got home from Lamplight. Um, I have the pleasure to ride a wonderful Grand Prix horse whose name is Casper. My family just him last year from Suzanne Dansby Bowman, and my sister rode him last year. So got some great experience at Grand Prix, got her USDF and won the regional finals. And I was lucky enough to kind of take the reins in October and get ready for Florida. And uh, I took five horses this year to Florida. Um, four were client horses and then Casper. And um, I really, really focused on competing him. Kind of had everyone else at the barn in Florida for experience. And um, it was my first big year kind of at Grand Prix in Florida wonderful kind of splash. We um, were able to do very well at the CDI at the Wellington Classic and then at, also at the West CDI. Um, we were the top placing American and we had a 70% freestyle, which was my first Congratulations. Kind of experience. Yeah, exactly. My first experience um, in the huge arena with the Jumbotron and the TV camp. And, uh, Way to go. That's fantastic, Ray. Really exciting and Quite, and you know, it's one of those one dreams of, and it all happened. You know, it was it was perfect. So, well, did you get um, did you get nervous? Was it such a big occasion that it rattled the nerves a little bit? You know, honestly, I went in. I I was nervous in the beginning. I, I nine o'clock in the evening, so you know that was a big change because you have your preparation and and all of those things, and and I'd never ridden that late in the evening, so. I had to figure out a way to occupied all day and keep Casper happy and make sure he had his, his dinner in time and, and not rush, but, you know, kind of keep things quiet all day. That was the hardest part for me. I got a little nervous around lunchtime. But once we kind of got up there and got under the lights and he was a good boy, I, I did settle down. And then I kind of just said, I'm going to have a good time at this. I, who knows if I'll ever have this experience again. So um, once we went in the ring and... We got around the ring and saw the jumbotron. Um, we were we were fine, so that was that was fun. Um, and I would love to do it again for sure. And, well, um, I, I have a feeling, Reese, that you probably will. You're a great rider, <laughs> and you're just at the beginning. I think of your really long and very successful career. So I'm sure you'll have another opportunity again. <laughs> it was fun. It was, it was for sure uh, been the dream of. And uh, we we got the horses home uh, in, in March and. We had a little bit of weather here in Kentucky, meaning a lot, um, and uh, so Casper had a little break, and then last weekend we went to the CDI at Lamplight, and um, it's a good thing right now I don't have an outdoor arena, I mean an indoor arena, I only have an outdoor arena, and uh, I did my Grand Prix in the pouring down rain, and it's a very good thing, Casper is very good in the rain, so we did our Grand Prix in, in the rain at Lamplight, and then came back, again I had another evening ride, for the competitors' party, and, and we were able to do the 70% again in the Grand Prix freestyle. So we were very excited, and uh, it was great for my nerves to know I could I could do the 70% ride again. So that was very exciting. 
And we so it is playing in the Grand Prix sort of what you always thought of it would be, or is it a surprise? Day? Do you like it? You know, um, I, I have had actually the, the opportunity and, and the wonderful pleasure to have two other Grand Prix before Casper, and um, so I'm a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm more used to the test now. Uh, when I first rode my first Grand Prix, um, I, I had no idea. You know, I'd, I'd ridden the movements for years, and then I first went down the center line for the first time. I was, I think, in shock because it's so intense for eight minutes you're in there. You have to think every step, and I am starting to get a little bit more comfortable with the flow and um, to kind of have the more experience in the ring. But for sure, having a new horse, and we've done you know, several years now, so we had to kind of um, come to a nice agreement and understanding, and I think we're starting to get there. Well, that's going to be a long way from where you began, Reese. Um, just to give listeners a little perspective here, when did you actually start in dressage, and and how you know, were you in pony? How did how did how did your dressage career really begin? Well, actually, that's a it's a great question. I um, I come from a long line of hunter jumper riders. My uncle is currently a, a professional rider, and my mom, um, you know, rode uh, hunters in Virginia to. She was in her 20s and decided, you know, to, to actually go in and, and get a different career. She's a nurse. And so she kind of stopped riding at that point. So I was got to be a great hunter-jumper rider. And to be honest, I can't jump anything. That is not the okay. <laughs> I can't jump stick. So um, <laughs> after, after starting with the ponies, um, we have a wonderful uh, uh, riding stable here where my mom me. I, 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 I apparently always had a bouncy horse and, and loved horses just from the time I was born. And um, they took me to the jumping stable, and after several emergency room visits, my, my <laughs> dear dad said, we're done. He's got to find something else. We, we're not doing jumping anymore. So I changed to dressage when I was actually seven. So that's that's when I started, and and I was always uh, you know the kid that just soaked up all the information and, and went to every clinic and and did the work for several years, and um, so I changed fairly fairly early just because of my lack of ability in jumping, and um, so I changed over and having my mom you know basically being a professional horsewoman, um, I never did pony club because at the time they didn't have the specialized rating. Now you can you can specialize in the United States. Um, but since I couldn't jump and that's my thing, I, I just, we, my mom raised us, we had our own farm and um, I started uh, and did Young Riders when I was 16 and did several years, um, I went to Young Riders four times and then kind of uh, graduated uh, the Graduate Young Rider Program. Um, I had started through USDF and, and that's really when I decided that I wanted a career as a horsewoman. University. I went to the University of Kentucky. I have um, an undergraduate degree in agriculture economics, and, uh, and and I did get my master's degree in international commerce and diplomacy. So I went to the Patterson School here, and through that time of my schooling, I was able to ride and have my horses and, and also continue training. So, well, I guess we should we, we should give away your age now. Then, Reese, how old are you now? I am. I'm 29. 29. Okay, good. So, so as, as Heather says, you've got a great Grand Prix future in front of you. We, we are really excited, and, and I'm really enjoying what's going on, and, and we're going to Gladstone uh, next month. Uh, right now, we're You and Casper? Casper and I, yes. So, um, uh, that is, that's 
been a, a huge dream of mine is to get my picture under the flag at Gladstone. So I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. Well, exciting. So, well, we. I'm sorry, Pat Heather. Is that for the Grand Prix National Championship? It is. It is the Grand Prix National Championship. So, and that's the top first. 12 um, Grand Prix horses and riders in the country each year get invited, right? So you made the top 12. That's right. That's right. So we're really excited. And um, my sister, uh, Lindsay, who is also a high-performance rider, went uh, when she was 20. Uh, she went to Gladstone at, at the intermediate one level. But this is the first time um, that we've been able to go at, at the Grand Prix level. So it's even well, more fantastic, Reese. I can I can tell you it is it's an amazing experience going to Gladstone. I was able to go with Arabella in 2006, and I really will never forget that. And I've been to many shows here in Europe now, and still hold experience at Gladstone as one of my favorite things in my life so far. So really good luck with that. And thank you. Um, thank I mean, you. I hope you have a fantastic time and and you know get your 70 or higher in your in your cur there also. That would be great. That would be that would be the dream for sure in the mid-high 70s already, have we? so you know what it feels like yes. to climb up there. Yes, it, it, it's great. <laughs> and, uh, he, he's so fun and he loves his curve. Uh, Marvin Whitaker helped me to design it this year in Florida, and it's, it's a fun theme. I, I told her, I said, Casper's really a funny horse, and he has a great sense of humor, so that's kind of what the curve is <laughs> around. He and we have literally Don't Worry, Be Happy, and the song from Love and Marriage, so the TV series. Oh, so. fun. Yeah, it's a really fun free. That was my hope when we designed it. So it, it's gone. It's gone very well. Well, that's true. Will you will you put a video on the web on your website that we can link to, Reese? Absolutely, absolutely. I would love to. That would be great. That that would be great. You go ahead and let us know when you've got that ready, and we'll put a link on the Dressage Radio website too. And I know that you're um, you're building a new facility here, a new Dressage Centre, Huntington. Tell us a little bit about that, Reese. Sure. Sure. Um, we, uh, you know, I grew up here on a lovely farm in Lexington. My parents, after uh, raising two daughters that, um, and I actually have a brother as well, but uh, raising two daughters who ride horses, um, my, my, my dear dad is wanting to retire to golf horse. So they are, um, our family farm is for sale, and uh, that has kind of spurred my husband and I on to, to have this dream of a, of a dressage facility. And uh, two years ago, we purchased uh, 20 acres about 10 minutes from the Kentucky Horse Park. So I love the location, and um, it's been an adventure, certainly building. Um, if I had my choice, I would love to have uh, purchased a, a farm like my own uh, family farm and, and just kind of show up, uh, but I'm learning that that's not going to happen. And um, so uh, it's been a new adventure for me to kind of meet with building contractors and figure out our design. But we are going to design a 10-stall barn and a living quarters. And uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have um, be able to host clinics and have people like Heather. Hopefully you can come to my new farm. Okay. Oh, am I invited? Uh, <laughs> you are. You are of course invited. You I'll be there. <laughs> so we can we can kind of bring a lot of, of wonderful trainers and riders to the area and and being so close to the horse park. I'm hoping that 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 will become a reality very shortly and. Um, I'm hoping to break ground uh, this summer. Actually, we need to break ground this summer, and um, and I would love to bring everyone along with my journey. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing bulldozers out there and, and buildings and things. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I think we'll follow this. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we're hoping that you'll be a regular contributor to, to the 
Over East. And so we'll follow your story with Casper and uh, and with the development of your new dressage centre here. Um, Love it. That would be a lot of fun, don't you think, Heather? Absolutely. And it's so nice to hear from you, Reese, and um, really excited about you being a contributor to the show. Um, it's great to catch up and for everyone to hear what's going on in, in your young and very um, good future in it uh, career. And just super to hear from you. And, and we look Thank forward so to it. We'll, we will catch up with you, Reese, after uh, Gladstone, um, and uh, hopefully you'll come on the show and tell us about your adventures at, at Gladstone. We wish you the very best of luck as you uh, travel to New Jersey for that really exciting competition. Well, thanks. Can't wait to bring you guys along on our journey. Well, that was great to hear from from Reese, Heather, and we really look forward to following her journey. And uh, and uh, by the sounds of things, she'll be down there doing clinics in, in Kentucky at her new dressage center. I'm putting it on my calendar. <laughs> well, the next thing we have on the show, and this is going to be a regular segment here, is Heather's training tip of the week. Yeah, this week I was just planning on talking a little bit about um, the difference between, or at least that there should be a difference between, bending your horse and turning your horse. And um, I think... Normally, what I see with riders who are in my clinics or here at home is that it, those two things go too often um, together in the same thought. And I try to separate them in, in, the, in the matter that they're two different tasks. And when the two separate tasks of bending and turning are, are working individually then you can put them together where you can bend say through a a corner or on a circle Um, when it becomes a matter of someone has to bend their horse to the inside in order to turn him um, then I think it's a little bit unclear where some rideability issues might be or um, you know what's actually causing the turn what's actually horse to bend in their, in their body and I think it's a, a good exercise to be able to uh, for instance ride your horse on a square or a circle and make a straight line up to the corner and before you make the corner try to turn your horse without bending so you could make sort of a, a straight line and then a 90 degree turn and then another straight line and another 90 degree turn just so you can get the hang of um, turning without having to bend and ideally from then the outside aids make turn if, if you're turning right then your outside leg a little bit of outside rein maybe just enough inside rein to not let the horse bend to the outside either but um, and some people have an easy time with that and some people will, will have a harder time with it and the ones that have a harder time with it usually benefit quite a bit from from the exercise of trying to make the two happen separately so if you can your horse sort of like how a, a bus makes a turn around a street corner it doesn't have to bend at all it just turns then that's a good starting say if that's how you turn your horse then if you also bend him while you make sort of a city bus type turn then most likely the bending doesn't cause you know the horse to go more on the forehand or to come more down and onto the shoulder when you bend them to the inside. And I think that's typically the, the problem with bending when it's not separate from turning. So, you know, once my students can turn without bending, then I let them work on bending and turn at the same time. And um, then it's almost always better balance, almost always more supple, almost always lighter in the front. And um, just a, a good skill to be able to separate the two. 
So um, that was the tip for this week. And um, like Chris said, I'll be trying to come up with a uh, useful little tidbit once a week. And um, for the next show, I'll see what um, maybe Paragon inspires me to come up with the idea for next week's tip. But for now, it's uh, keep your bending and turning as, as separate uh, separate tools. Well, great, Heather. Thanks for the training tip of the week. And we look forward to um, following these. I think we'll be building up a series here over the coming weeks and months. Well, see what we can do. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's about it for this week. We want to remind everyone that the Eventing Radio Show, um, that is a show that's hosted by Glenn the Keek and myself, that's available at eventingradio.com. The Stable Scoop Show is hosted by Glenn and Helena B, and that can be found at stablescoops.com. And also the 2010 radio show, that's co-hosted by Glenn and Samantha Clark, available at 2010radioshow.com. These, all these shows are part of the Horse Radio Network. They're all available at iTunes to download as a free podcast. Next week on the show, here at the Dressage Radio Show, we'll be speaking to Lendon Gray. Lendon Gray is the chairperson of the Dressage Foundation, so we'll be looking forward to speaking to her and hearing about what the Dressage Foundation does. You can follow our show notes at dressageradio.com. We want to hear your news and views, your feedback. You can leave a, leave a voicemail at, at our website, uh, the number is uh, on our website at dressageradio.com. That number is 270-803-0025. Again, you, you can visit the website to get all our contact information. You can email me here or Heather. Uh, my email address is chris at horseradionetwork.com or horseradionetwork.com. You can have your say in it's your call segment. Um, that's a segment that we're going to create here. As a weekly feature, you can uh, tell us anything that you yeah, have an opinion about uh, in the world of dressage, your comments, suggestions, just anything that you, you feel needs, we need to draw attention to. So that's your opportunity on It's Your Call segment, mail at 270-803-0025 and leave your name. The Dressage Radio Show also has a fan page on Facebook, and there's a link to that on our website at dressageradio.com. And you can also follow us at Twitter, at Horse Radio. Uh, Twitter is uh, something that we can, you can follow all our shows on uh, Twitter. Um, is our call sign there. You can follow the, the 2010 radio show, the Eventing Radio Show, Stable Scoop, and now the Dressage Radio Show on Twitter. And you can read Heather's blog and get information on her clinics at heatherblitz.info. Again, we would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They can be found at kppusa.com. So, Heather, until we meet again next week. Yeah, everybody, good luck and mind your writing. Thank you.